0: Hi, I'm Aaron Mace, Assistant Program Manager at the Hackley and Hume Historic Site, part of the Lakeshore Museum Center, and today on our podcast, I'm going to be talking about Porter Hackley. While we often hear about the legacy of Charles Hackley, it's easy to forget that his entire family made their mark on Muskegon during the lumbering era. Porter Hackley, Charles Hackley's younger brother, was an interesting character in his own way, though his legacy is much different than that of his older brother. Porter Hackley was born to Joseph and Selina Hackley on April 4, 1847, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Porter was younger than his brothers Charles and Edwin Hackley by almost 10 years. As a boy, he attended school in Kenosha before he moved with Selina and Edwin to Muskegon to join Joseph and Charles in the spring of 1857. In Muskegon, he lived in his parents' boarding house at 6th Street and Clay Avenue, now called the Hackley Hold House, and attended a small school located above the Truesdale Lumber Company store on Western Avenue. He later attended a commercial school in Kalamazoo. He began working at the family sawmill as a common laborer, making $1 a day. He also began bookkeeping when Charles was in Chicago for business or upriver inspecting logs. At the age of just 21, Porter Hackley purchased, on credit, a quarter share in the Hackley & Sons lumber firm from his brother Charles and continued to work as the bookkeeper. Eventually, Porter Hackley became the bookkeeper for both Hackley and & Sons and Hackley and & McGordon, earning about $800 a year, today equal to around $15,000. In 1872, Edwin Hackley sold his interest in the Hackley & Sons mill to Charles. Charles and Porter then assumed more of the land and log purchasing. With Edwin's departure and the construction of a new Hackley & Sons mill in 1872, Porter became the mill supervisor. To take over the bookkeeping, a young Irishman named Thomas Hume was hired in November of 1872. Thomas Hume took over Porter's bookkeeping for Hackley & Sons and Hackley & McGordon and was taught the double-entry style of bookkeeping by Porter. Porter then served as the superintendent of lumbering for C.H. Hackley & Co. While he did not spend any time in the woods, he looked after the mill and made repairs during the winter months. He later worked as the foreman for Hackley & Hume. A good portion of our knowledge about Porter Hackley comes from none other than Thomas Hume. As someone who had worked with Porter for 12 years, Thomas Hume provides an extremely close look into Porter's personality and relationship with Charles. Thomas Hume describes Charles and Porter's relationship as friendly, and that Porter looked up to Charles as his older brother. Charles did raise concerns about Porter's work ethic and spending habits, but Porter took these statements in stride and understood his brother's intentions behind these criticisms. While their relationship seems to have been mostly good, they did have bad moments as well. Once, while very ill, Porter was asked if his brother Charles should be called, He replied by saying he would just as soon see the devil come in as him. While Port, as Thomas Hume called him, was intelligent, capable, and even-tempered, he was not very motivated as a businessman. Despite his good nature, Porter had a number of vices, which ultimately proved to be his undoing. The biggest among these was his problem with alcohol, which affected nearly every aspect of his life. Porter's alcohol abuse was well known to those close to him and in the community. When Charles and Porter Hackley, along with Thomas Hume, formed the C.H. Hackley & Co. Lumbering Company, Thomas and Charles even created a special clause in their partnership agreement to try and stop Porter Hackley from drinking. According to Thomas Hume, Porter also associated with, quote, "...questionable women," and spent money extravagantly. Porter's visits to the brothels of Muskegon would often land him a fine and time in jail. Toward the end of his life, Porter's attention to the business waned as his drinking increased. For a number of years, Porter had a relationship with Harriet, also known as Hattie, Huff, the exact details of which remain unclear. On the night of July 25, 1881, Porter Hackley was shot by Hattie's nephew, George McCoy. After letting McCoy into his house around 1 a.m., McCoy used Porter's own gun to shoot him twice after which he jumped out of the window and escaped. McCoy, who was drunk at the time, claimed that the attack was revenge for a violent argument which had occurred between Porter and himself two years earlier. Porter miraculously recovered from the shooting, and McCoy was caught five days later. He was sentenced to six years hard labor at Jackson State Prison. Porter died on June 26, 1884 at the age of 37 from heart disease brought on by delirium tremens, or severe alcohol withdrawals, at the home of Hattie Huff, with whom he was living. Porter left everything to his niece, Nellie, daughter of Edwin Hackley, with Charles Hackley as the trustee. Shortly after his death, Hattie Huff filed suit against his estate in 1884. In the lawsuit filed by Hattie Huff under the name Mrs. Harriet P. Hackley, she claimed that they had lived together starting in July of 1879 up until Porter's death in 1884, and that while they were never technically married, she claimed they had a common-law marriage and were considered to be married. Hattie herself was a woman of ill repute and the two of them lived on Ottawa Street for a time, which was known during the lumbering era to be a red-light district. Hattie herself, at least for a time, lived in the Red House, a house of ill fame which Porter reportedly visited quite often. She and Porter began living together, she claimed, in 1879. Hattie rented her house on Ottawa to a well-known madam who, along with others, were frequent visitors at Porter and Hattie's home. Hattie also had several aliases she used in her business dealings and was at one time treated for morphine addiction. Their relationship appears to have been quite volatile. On one occasion, Porter was reportedly found with another woman in his office. Hattie, allegedly carrying a hatchet and accompanied by her sister, entered by breaking a window. Adding another complication to the trial was Roy Hackley, whom Hattie claimed was their son. Roy was born in July 1876, the year Hattie claimed she met Porter, and rumors persisted around town that Porter was not Roy's biological father. The details of Roy's life are scarce, but in 1937, a Social Security claim was filed for Roy J. Hackley. Listed as his parents were Porter Henry Hackley and Harriet Huff. While Charles and Porter generally got along and worked together for more than 20 years, It appears that the two did not have intimate knowledge of each other's lives. Charles testified during the trial that he did not know whether Hattie was actually Porter's wife and had to rely on his own investigation, even hiring detectives to help figure out the truth. Over a year after Porter's death, the case was finally settled. Hattie was declared not Porter's wife and his will was left as written. Hattie was paid $2,693 to avoid any further litigation regarding claims to Porter's estate. Even after all the dramatic events that surrounded Porter's death and their sometimes rocky relationship, it seems Charles Hackley still cherished the memory of his younger brother. Charles Hackley inherited Porter's pocket watch and chain and still wore them 16 years after his death. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it and have a great day.